Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here. I was so excited. Sam and the song kept going and I kept wanting to say good morning. <clears throat> Looking at all of you. Well, it's uh, great to have all of you here. And uh, those of you who are maybe uh, visiting or a guest, it's uh, great to have you. And everyone joining us online, it is great to have you as well. So I want to start off this morning and uh, just dive into it, maybe in a little bit different way. You know, normally I'll start off with a story or something and kind of set it up or whatever. But um, I'm just going to dive just you know, uh, cold, straight into a passage, okay? Um, because there's something I want to do with this passage uh, that will anchor us into the rest of what we're doing this morning. So uh, before I tell us where we're going or what we're doing, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Um, and I want to just uh, look at this uh, passage uh, here. Uh, starting in verse uh, 18. And uh, this is primarily speaking about the church. He's saying these words uh, to the church. It says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened order, in order that you may know the hope to which he, speaking of Jesus, that he has called you, right? There's this calling that Jesus has, that God has on our lives. Um, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, right? And that's a way of speaking of his church there. Uh, then he goes on and he, and he uh, talks about the power that does this, that uh, that will transform us and pull the church forward. Is the right, it is the power of Jesus, and it is the same very power that like rose that rose him from the dead. Like this beautiful thing. Now, verse twenty-two. This is the part that uh, I want to anchor us all into this morning. It says this, and God placed all things under His feet. Speaking of Jesus, God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Um, now, I love this passage. It has uh, something uh, really cool that I don't want us to miss about what it's unpacking about uh, the church, which is, right, which is us in all of this. First, uh, notice he says, right, the church is the body of Christ, right? Like if you think about a stick figure, right? And the body, the body is the church. That's you, that's me, right? We're the body of Christ. Um, and of course, uh, the head is Christ himself in this. And this is, he's like building this uh, kind of picture here. And the result of what he's talking about here is that when everything is working the way it's supposed to, when the body is connected to the head, right? And the, the head is leading and guiding and empowering the rest of the body. There's this beautiful expression that happens, right? And it is the fullness of him, right? When the church is connected to the head, the fullness of who, of who Jesus is becomes this tangible expression. It becomes this full picture of all that Jesus is, that, that when people come in contact with the body, in a way, they're getting to experience Jesus in some way, right? This is the picture of the church. The church is the body of Christ. You've probably heard that uh, before. Um, now, as you think about that picture, okay, you think about this idea of the head and the body, I, I want you to hold that construct through uh, the rest of the message as I talk through this, because I'm going to keep coming back to this idea, this construct of Jesus as the head 
and we are the body uh, in all of this because uh, there's something important here that I don't want us uh, to miss. And I was kind of confronted with this a little bit um, at a conference that uh, myself and a few other staff were at earlier this year. And it was a conference uh, just designed to uh, help primarily nonprofits uh, leading out in kind of a whole new world and how it's all changed and everything. And so there were uh, quite a few churches at this conference, but there were other nonprofits. There were, there were like some hospitals and uh, universities and NGOs and other ministries and stuff. And uh, one of the sessions, uh, the speaker doing this uh, one workshop, uh, talked about the importance of knowing why you exist. And I thought, oh, that's good. That's, but I've heard this, I've done like, this is, you know, this, there's just, just like, yeah, yeah okay, whatever. Um, uh, but he started to talk through it and, and it really hit me. And one of the things he talked through is he said, you know, cause I was already going, yeah, 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 we got this. And, you know, you know, churches like we, you know, um, uh, he's like, it's really easy to just presume that you've got a really good reason for why you exist. It's really easy to just presume uh, that you've got it and, and that you should just exist. And he says, but here's the problem with that. Whenever organizations just presume that they should exist, it's never enough and they lose their way. And, and as he said that, I thought, ooh, the issue isn't thinking, yeah, I know we should exist. It's really knowing why we should exist and walking through this because you can lose your way. And as I thought about that, there's lots of examples throughout the history, you know, 2000 years of church history. And I thought there's examples of churches that have lost their way. First thing that hit me was I was thinking about the church in Europe. You know, you think about the church in Europe today and like, uh, if you go over there and visit churches, right? Like they are known for their architecture and their beauty. Um, there's all this history behind them and people go and will look at these churches and go through. How many of you have ever gone uh, to Europe and have ever gone through like uh, an old church? Like, yeah, okay. So like you go through it and there's like plaques on the wall that, you know, describe this or that. And there's the whole history of it. And you just, you know, you're like, wow. And you know, they made all of this, you know, with wooden mallets or something, you know, and just like, wow, you know. Um, and, but in the background of, of just being wowed by the beauty and the architecture and the rich history, like the thing that hit me there is like, you know, the vast majority of those churches are really just museums. Probably most of you that went over there and visited one of those churches probably didn't go to a church service. You, it was like a museum. You probably paid a little something and you walked around. Maybe you had a tour guide that took you around in that thing. And it's like, what happened that they became museums, right? I mean, think about that for a moment. Think about this. What would it be like if let's say 50 years from now, Casas was a museum. Yeah, this building was the museum. And people showed up and they'd pay a little something. They'd walk through, right? And there'd be a plaque and it would say, this area over here with the tables used to be the coffee spot. And people would go over to that counter over there. See that counter? They'd buy coffee and then they'd go sit down at those tables, right? And they're just, you know, and you just go through and they're like, and this is the lobby, right? And look at the beautiful architecture. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe that wouldn't happen. But if you were to go, okay, 50 years from now, we're going to be a museum. How does that make you feel? Excited? Like right now, like, uh, half the room is just like, uh, no. I, that makes me happy. I'm glad you, that would make you excited. Right? Because you'd go somehow... It missed its purpose. It, it got fuzzy. It got lost along the way. That, that even if people came and even if people admired it, they're admiring something that isn't happening now. Right? Not about its impact that it's having in the world to its calling. Right? Think back to Ephesians. Uh, right? When Paul opens it up in verse 18 and he's, he's just like... I want you to know, right? May you know the hope which he has called you to, right? Church, there's a hope that you hold and it is, and God's called you to this. There is a reason, right? That you should exist. And understanding that becomes really important. And, and you know, and I was in that workshop and suddenly you know, I'm like, uh, I'm paying attention now. This, like, this really matters. And, and, and uh, he walked through this kind of construct that was just like, here are some of the things to think about as you go out to frame, why should you exist? And I just, and we actually did that. Uh, I was there with a couple of other staff and we kind of worked through some of that. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought, this would be a good thing for us to just walk through and just bring some clarity to if we don't want to become a museum someday, we should answer the question, why should we exist? And I want to walk through just a couple of things that they did at this workshop um, that help us frame out and answer this question, why should we exist? Because I think it will ultimately mean something uh, for us. So all of it was centered around these different questions. And so I'm, I'm going to put the first two questions uh, together here. And here are the first two questions. Uh, that help us on this. What is the opportunity that we can step into? And what is the problem in front of us? Okay. What is the opportunity that we can step into? And what is the problem in front of us? And, and in some ways, these are kind of the same thing because your problem is also your opportunity a little bit, but, but there's a little bit to tease out between the difference of the two. But let me give you the short answer on this. And, I, and I'll put it in the same form uh, here. The short answer is... Um, the opportunity that we can step into is that in the world right now, right, um, there are a lot of people that are seeking Jesus. They, like, they have curiosity about him. They have a, there's a spiritual hunger that, they, that they're at least somewhat in tune with. But here's the problem. If I had to say, what's the problem before us? And it's this. People are leaving churches by the droves right now, right? So I'd put, I'd put it this way, wait. People aren't leaving Jesus, they're just leaving church. And that is both the opportunity and the problem. Um, just uh, real quick here, you know, if you look at this just from the stats and the research that's been uh, done, and I've talked about this before, so I won't take a lot of time with this, but you know, um, 
numbers of people that are affiliated with churches and regular attendance has been in decline for a number of years. And probably the last four years, that decline has really, really started uh, to steepen. In fact, there was a time in the U.S. uh, when if you were to define either evangelical Christians or Christians who had a strong belief of, of like trusting Christ at the center of their belief system, it would be well over like 50% of our country would identify uh, with that. And that started to fall off. Um, In fact, it started to fall off enough that they started following this other number. And it was the number of Americans that not only did they not have like what we would think of as an evangelical basis, or, you know, like when you think of like a born again Christians, or you think about, Uh, Jesus or Bible following Christians. Like that would be that group. Um, But as that fell, it wasn't like other religious groups or affiliations were like, you know, going like gangbusters and and climbing. In fact, the number of people that just saying, you know, like I'm kind of done with religion. I'm done with, with all of that started climbing. And there was one point at which researchers like, you know, this is crazy and we wouldn't think this had ever happened. But it's almost like that group that are non-affiliated that might actually outclimb the number of people that are actually in like evangelical churches. And that crossover actually occurred, I think somewhere around 2019, where the number of people that would identify in some way as like a Protestant evangelical dropped from that some 50% down to, I think right now it's somewhere around 18% of Americans. That's it. And the number of people that have just said, no, I just, I have no affiliation with churches at all is now I think somewhere around 22%. You think about that. Like that, we've never experienced a shift in US history to that degree ever. Like people are leaving churches. And one of the biggest areas of drops are uh, like with evangelical uh, Christians. And uh, statistically, it's not just because young people, like sometimes people will say, well, you know, young people, like they just, they get out of high school and they kind of get away from church. But when they get married and start having families and stuff, they'll kind of come back into this. So demographically, the group that has dropped the most here just recently is, is our Gen Xers. That's my generation, right? And I used to think of myself, we're the young generation, but no, we're like the middle-aged on our way to becoming the old generation here. And I was like, what? That, I, like, it just shocked me. I mean, like dropping like a rock in all of this. That's the problem. People are like, like if we want to have influence, we're, we're losing it. But on the opportunity side, there's something interesting happening. And that is all the numbers that you look at statistically, people, there is an increased interest in spirituality. People are recognizing there's something spiritual that they hunger for and and they want to deal with. The other thing to take this one step further that I think is the opportunity here is there's a growing number of people that actually look and view Jesus as, as a source for helping them in, in that spiritual journey. Um, it's uh, in fact, the number of, let me get this right, the number of Americans or the percentage of Americans now that would identify 
that Jesus would be at least helpful in helping them in their life understand spiritual things has now climbed to 72%. And, and it's just weird. It's like, like only 18%, like that number's dropped all the way down. People going to, you know, churches that like ours, so to speak, like 18%. And yet now 52% of Americans would say, no, I, I see Jesus in a really positive way, even being able to help with that. Uh, when you look at uh, young people, the percentage of young people that have a positive outlook on Jesus is climbing all the while. They're saying, yeah, and the church thing doesn't seem like my kind of thing, but the Jesus thing, I'm really curious about that. Um, and here's the reality. Here's kind of the takeaway in that. People aren't walking away from Jesus, but they're breaking up with church. Like, like that's, that is the problem and the opportunity as we see it. In fact, I ran into this after the last service. Last service, um, uh, someone came up to me and they said, you keep using the word evangelical. And you even referred to like how Casas is kind of evangelical or is bending. And I go, yeah. She goes, isn't that referring to a political group? And I was like, well... It's kind of becoming that in our culture, isn't it? Here's what I think is going on. And I want to illustrate it with, a, with another story that I think gets at what's happening in this, understanding the opportunity before us. So uh, there's a couple that uh, I know uh, pretty well. Um, and they were at a church service uh, not too long ago. And she described to me like just her experience with this church ser service. It was the first time they had been to this church, showed up to this uh, service and just felt this thing where everything started pulling more and more towards all of the political things going on in our country. But but really in a way that was very, very one-sided. And then it started getting on all of these social issues and, and it was almost like a call to arms on these social issues. And she just expressed like, there was a, I started feeling this kind of tension because it wasn't even just that they were talking about. It, it just, it started feeling more like a rally and you had to be this or that. And there just wasn't any, if you weren't like with that, it's just like this, then do you really belong in this? And even at one point, uh, she said, I started feeling this tension and it wasn't even over me. I said, there's someone that matters to me in my life. And I just, I felt this uneasiness that like how that person just couldn't be in this would be so un, there would be no place for that person in this church. And at that moment, she said, like all of a sudden there was like a cheer behind like, a kind of uh, rally call to something. And it just made her feel so uneasy. And she said, part of it was, I walked out of there and I felt like, it was like I had to choose between Jesus and church. And where it left me was, I, I gotta let go of the church in this. And she said, I've never experienced that feeling ever before of, choosing between Jesus and the church. And she had, uh, I don't know if it was lunch or dinner, but she was at a meal um, with someone from the church and they got into a discussion about this because she was like, I, help me out here. I'm struggling to connect Jesus and, and what I experienced here. And he pushed back and says, oh, no, no, did you like, like, these are the things that we've got to do. And just, and it kept going back to this thing. And her question to him was, Okay, 
but help me see where that is what Jesus taught. And went down the other road and she came and she said, no, help me. And not like in a argumentative way, just help me understand how that is what Jesus modeled or asked or taught us to do. Cause I can't pull them together. And finally, here's what he uh, said to her. He said, listen, listen, Jesus, because at that point too, they were talking about the, like just the issue of love. Like how, like how does this love other people the way Jesus did? And his response is Jesus this is a quote. Jesus got to love people. That was Jesus. But we, referring to the church, we are at war. Don't miss the disconnect between here's Jesus. Jesus, when he was here, he got to love. He got to do those. He got to go around and be compassionate and loving and engaging. But the church, there's a war on. We got to fight. And that disconnect in some way, I think, captures the problem and the opportunity of what's happening in the evangelical or in the Christian world in the U.S. today. That there's this thing where people are encountering the church, but they're not identifying that as encountering Jesus in that moment. And I think back to Ephesians, right? And Jesus is the head of the church. And I guess my question is, what do you do when the head becomes disconnected from the body? That's a problem. Do you see that? That, that if we're not clear on why we should exist, we can drift and we can find things that motivate us in why we should exist. But that doesn't mean it's why we should actually exist in all of this. That's the problem and the opportunity. There's a world of people walking away from church, but they're not walking away from Jesus. So, um, I want to ask a different question, right? If that's the problem and the, and the opportunity, the next question that I want to ask is this, how is Casas uniquely positioned? So we're at that workshop and it's just like, if you identify the issue, the struggle or whatever it is, you got to ask yourself, are you, how are you positioned to do something about it? How are you positioned to take advantage of, of an opportunity that is there? And when I think about people seeking to encounter Christ, to look to him in some way, that's our opportunity. How are we positioned in that? And you know, the truth is, this part of it, I'm really excited about because I think God has had us on a journey for a very long time that has brought us to a place where we are positioned to do something. We, we've become a different kind of church over the last couple of decades. Um, I wanna share just a, a little bit of a story. And, and, it's, and if you're a part of this church, this is a part of your story uh, in all of this. Um, probably uh, a decade or two ago, I remember there was a moment where uh, I, and this is before I was the senior pastor, and we had a senior leadership retreat. Uh, I think we were in Chicago on this retreat. And one of the things that we really felt like God had been putting on our heart uh, with this is that in some ways we, it's, it's like, 
It's like God said, okay, I want you, I want you to see this a little bit about you as a church. And we you know, and we talked about it. It's just like, we're a little fortressy is how we put it. Like we're like, there's, we have a tendency to protect certain things and, and guard those things. And we're going to guard these particular beliefs and we're going to guard these particular traditions. And a little bit like, um, <clears throat> we're a safe place for anyone who shares all of those things. And to a person, we were all like, you know, I think God is leading us to change that a little bit. And like we walked through this, prayed about this. And, and the way we talked about it most back then was, I think God is asking us to become more of a light of the world kind of church than a protective kind of church, a fortressy kind of church that like, like, what can we do to actually shine with a kind of light that, that helps people like just become attracted to who Jesus is, that would want to draw people towards the per- who Jesus is. And we got real excited about this. And we were on this retreat. And when it first started, I mean, we had grand ideas and we're, like, we're going to do this and that. And we just, we, like, like we dreamed of like, oh, we're going to start reaching lots of people that aren't in our church now. And that was all wonderful. And there was kind of a, we had kind of rose colored glasses on. Uh, when we first started talking about that. And I'll never forget, we were uh, having lunch. We were at this big table and the executive pastor at the time, Gary Schrader goes, so I've got a question that maybe we should think about, right? And we're all happy and everything. He goes, if we go down this path, what, what if there's lots of people who don't like that path? And we're like, oh no, it'll be wonderful. He goes, no, no, really. Let's think about this for a moment. Because it's going to mean changes. It's, it's going to mean inviting people to sit next to you in the pew that maybe aren't exactly like you. And that might, some people may not like that. It may mean navigating issues in ways that, that we approach it with a little bit more openness and care. And, like, and he started just going through all these things. And we were all going like, ooh, this, this could be hard, right? And I'll never forget Uh, At that time, Roger Barrier was the senior pastor. We talked through all of this. And he said, you know, I think it'd be really important here that we don't just say yes to this in some collective way here where we don't each own this because it's gonna take all of us to lead this forward. And I'll never forget, he actually went around the table. He never had done this before and never did it after this. And to each person, he said, I'm going to ask each of you individually. And, and he's like, and when I point to you, no one else is allowed to answer f- uh, for them. And he went around that table to each of us. Like when he got to me and he said, Glenn, do you really believe this is what Jesus is calling us to? And are you willing to step out and leave it? I was like, yes. And he went to the next person and asked them. And we went around that table and everyone said, don't know what this means for sure, but this is where God is calling us to go. We want to be a light of the world kind of church. We want, we want anyone to walk through our doors and be welcome and be a place that will shine the light of Christ for them. If they want to hear about Christ, we want them to have a place here. 
And we did that. We started making changes. We started moving in that direction. And you know what? It got messy. <laughs> Gary was right. There were people who didn't like it and there were people that left and there were people that protested and they were just, and it was a struggle and we went through that. And I remember years into that struggle and there'd be lots of people leaving and we were reaching uh, new people and we're just uh, going through this whole thing. And I remember, um, and, and this was years after the, uh, the, the fact, it, in the messiness of it, there was another thing that happened that I think God saw coming and ordained, and it's just in the struggle pulled us toward it, but it was one of the most beautiful things. And, and I'm gonna tell you just a little bit about this one because I think it goes to understanding why are we positioned right now for a time like this, okay? In the messiness of it, we're like navigating this is hard. We need to be better connected to the head. If Jesus is the head of the church, we're like, we, we need to become a more, right? We wanna be a more light of the world kind of church, but we also wanna become a more Christ-centric church, a Christ-centered church is how we uh, talked about it. And uh, I say that, and even, even when we talked about it back then, it was like, well, isn't every church Christ-centered? I mean, if you're a Christian church, you're kind of naturally Christ-centered. And we go, yes. And for the history of this, I would imagine the first day this church opened up, we would have said, we're a Christ-centered church. And, and as we well should have, right? But for us, what I want you to understand is it, for us, it was about taking it to a new kind of depth and way of navigating the future in this church, right? Every, every Christian church would say, like, we, we're Christ-centered, we worship Christ, and we teach about Christ, we find our salvation in Christ. And I go, yep, 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 that's all great. But here's what started happening with us in a new way. We started leaning into, and this is for navigating all the issues in the direction of the church, we started leaning into more and more, not our traditions, not all of our dogma and doctrine and theology and all the things we held, we started leaning more and more into what is Jesus teaching us, right? I can go back to the gospels and if I look at what Christ himself taught, what do I glean about how we should move forward? Because he's the leader of this church. Secondly, what did Jesus model for us? How did, if, we, if he's the head of the church, what did he model for us? How can I watch what he did and how he lived that would shape how we would um, tackle this next issue in front of us? Like how we move forward. How did Jesus model this for us? And, Chris, and scripture is so clear that Jesus is in each and every one of us as followers of Christ and he has a calling on this church and we will be more proactive in seeking Christ's voice in us as leaders for where we go. That's the shift. When I say we became more Christ-centric, that's what I mean by that. And you know, there's a part of that that I've watched over the years in moments that have been hard. It's, it's not like the messiness went away. In some ways to become more Christ-centered is to become more controversial at times. It is to shake things up. It's just, and you know, that shouldn't surprise us because when we look back at what Jesus did and how he lived, like there was some of that going on. But you know, the beautiful thing about that, I think, and here's why I think it's positioned us so well. You keep doing that 
the more someone on the outside encounters me, you, and you, and you, and you, the more they are closer to touching something about us as a church that's a lot more like Jesus. And if what we're living in right now is in a world where the more someone moves towards a church, the less they feel like they're encountering Christ, that's a problem, right? Because if the church is to be his body, then, then don't we want to be the kind of body that when someone right, encounters us, when they experience us in real life, in day-to-day -day situations, whatever it is, when they come and they're a part of this, we, like, we want that to be something that would reflect, that would give them a sense of who Jesus is and what he is all about in this world. And so friends, I look at this long journey that we've been on, and those are just two things in that. But those two things, and I've watched this play out, is more and more people have come through those doors and have encountered something that has drawn them closer to Christ. In fact, right now, like I look around this room and I have tears over some of the faces that I see because some of you, some of you, I know that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, this probably wouldn't have been a church that would have had a place for you. And you might not be here right now. And I am so, so glad that you are here and that you have a place, see? Because that's what Jesus modeled for us. I think about how it's shaped us in so many ways. You know, we have this little value thing that we have around our mission statement, right? When we think about our, our mission, right? We got three words that just capture that, right? Accepted, loved, free. We love it so much, we put it on t-shirts and you all will wear those t-shirts around town. And it always makes me excited when I see someone wearing one of our t-shirts around town, right? It just makes me excited. But you know, the thing that makes that powerful, the thing that makes that deep, the thing that makes that meaningful is not really just that it is on a t-shirt and that someone would wear it. That, that is just like the final expression of something else that has happened. What makes me excited is that it is who God has brought us to be. And that when we put on a t-shirt that it says accepted, loved, free, it's not just a saying on a t-shirt. It's an expression of a journey that we've been on. And I think it mirrors what Jesus had glowing from his heart in his face in every encounter. You look through the gospels and you see in all of those encounters, whether it's a Roman soldier or a woman at a well or someone that was crippled or someone that had spiritual questions, like when they encountered Jesus, like they experienced someone that just shined with a sense of acceptance. You can ask those questions. You can struggle with that. And, right? and there was this thing where they felt like the love of what that meant. They knew they were talking to someone that really cared about them. They weren't like put off like, oh my gosh, why do you have to ask these spiritual questions, right? You know, you should have worked a little harder on this. Maybe you could have figured this out on your own. It's just like, no, it's just like, Jesus is like, okay, no, no, I care about you. And people walked away from Jesus 
right, with a lightness to their step, a new freedom in life. Like, like life became a bigger blessing, a glorious thing, right? They weren't weighted down. They weren't put in bondage because they encountered Jesus. It was the opposite. And if that is what Jesus has been doing in us, if there's a world out there that still has some curiosity about who Jesus is, I think this church is positioned to make a difference in that world. I really believe that, friends. See, that's, this is why we should exist. One last question, one last question in all of this. And he brought, the, and he had some other things in all of this, but there was one last one that he did that I found very interesting. And it was simply the question, why me? And all of a sudden he, he took it out of, um, he took it out of the, uh, like the, the organizational, you know, collective. And, and it was just this like, why me question. And I remember he just said, because as an organization, you're made up of all of those individuals. And th there's a part of this for every individual. And it, they've got to answer this question. Like, why me? What, what is my part in all of this? And here's why this I think is so important here. Because it's something for all of us to wrestle with because you are all needed. And I really mean this. Uh, you are needed more than ever in the history of this church now, right? All the messiness that we've gone through, all of the things going on in the evangelical world that's pulled it in all the different directions. And, it's, and it has, it has pulled people out of this church that have said, that's not for me. Like I, I want something that's more protective or I want like whatever it is. And, and, that, and that's okay. I'd like, I just trust that to Christ. But I know this, if you're here and you're like, I see that problem. And I wanna be a Jesus kind of answer to that problem. I, I don't wanna be at war. I wanna be a brilliant light. I wanna be, be a part of the body of Christ, right? I wanna be connected to the head so that I'm always shining with acceptance and love and a kind of freedom that is life-giving to other people. I promise you, we all need each other in all of this. So I'm going to challenge us with a few things on this. Three things that I want to challenge us with on this. And I'm just going to close out with this. First, be unapologetically anchored to Jesus Christ in your own life. Let him be the head of you. I mean, lean into what he taught about life. Um, lean into what he modeled, right? There's this, this thing about Jesus and what he modeled. And you can look at this a dozen different ways in any story. You can, you can see what he modeled in his attitude, in his heart, who he talked to, how he did. And there are all of these things that we can glean in this. And thirdly, if you're a follower of Christ, scripture says Jesus lives inside of you. And there's never a moment that you can't say, Jesus, I need your help right now. Jesus, give me a little guidance in this. Jesus, like, help me see what you want me to see in this because you are the head of me and you're the head of my church, right? I wanna challenge you to do that. Secondly, engage in loving people the way Jesus loved you. 
if we want to be an expression, a glorious expression, right? What Paul writes in Ephesians, what we uh, read earlier, if we want to be that picture, that fullness of who Jesus is, we know the thing that dominated his teaching more than anything else was that idea of loving people the way we've experienced him loving us. Because when you do that, instead of drawing lines that leave people behind, instead of standing in something that you believe, and, and this is, and Jesus never said, don't stand in what you believe. I, like we should live in our beliefs and our convictions. But if you notice there's a way that you can do that, that excludes other people, that pushes people back, and there's a way that you can do that, that still loves them and includes them, find a way to do that. And lastly, um, we need you in your service and in your support. And I just, and I'm going to put this unapologetically because there is an incredible opportunity in front of us. And I've already watched God doing some amazing things. You know, when it comes to uh, what we've added this past fall to the number of people that have now joined in some new level of connection and community in this church, we took a 10% jump in the number of people that are now connected in ABFs or small groups around here. Um, and I'm thrilled with that. But that took resources. It took money to do that. It took volunteers to do that. It took training to do that. And you know what? When we get into the beginning of next year, I want to see us do another jump with that. Like, I mean, we're working on plans now because I think there are going to be more new people that are going to come in and there are going to be those opportunities. There are going to be opportunities for us to do uh, more worship nights like what we did. How many of you were at the worship night here? I just, wasn't that, like, I... It, and I know this is a shocker, right? It brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> Just like, but I was surprised by it. And part of the reason I was surprised by it was not because I just like, oh man, it was a wonderful worship night. And it was. What grabbed my soul was how it was so aligned to who God has called us to be. I don't know that I've ever been at a worship night in the history of Casas Church that was so aligned in expressing who we are as believers and what we hold. There was something about that that I just felt like anybody, I could have invited anybody to come and be at that thing. And they, they, would, have con they, like, they would have felt like they came in contact with Jesus in that moment. We want to do more of that. But that's going to mean that we all have to step in asking the question, God, how do you want me to serve? And God, how do you want me to use my financial resources to help advance this? And I'm asking all of us to join into that because there's an opportunity in front of us, friends, to do something really glorious as the body. I mean, think about that. As the body of Christ. I'm excited about our future in this, friends. Um, why don't you stand? And I'm gonna close this uh, in prayer here. And let me just say this as I close this out. If you're new, you're visiting, you're checking it out, I am so, we are all glad that you're here. And I'm gonna be right over here at these uh, tables. And if you are new or we've never had a chance to shake hands or talk, I would love to just uh, shake your hand and get to just know you just a little bit uh, here this morning. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I just thank you so much. Um, 
that you actually let your church become your body, that we don't just stand by idly as your followers in some way, but that you actually enfold us into the very thing that you want to do in this world, that you, that you have chosen to make your church an expression of your heart, your emotions, your desires, your dreams in this world. And may you empower us as your church to be the embodiment of that expression wherever we are, God. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning. See you next week.